Gennaro Rewind, hosted by Matt Namofsky. Hello, NRL fans, and welcome back to the NRL Rewind podcast. I'm your host, Matt Namofsky. Welcome for the first time in 2022 to a bit of a game review. We had live footy. How good was it yesterday? We had the uh, Maori All-Stars versus the Indigenous All-Stars with the Maoris coming on top 16 to 10. A great game. Obviously, the weather uh, threw a bit of a spanner in the works. We wanted a big, free-flowing open game. The boys still gave it their all, but I think there was quite a few things to really take away, even though, you know, some say it's a trial, you know, the first unofficial game of the season. To me, you can always still look at a trial, even a training session. There's always positives and notes to take out of it. So I've got here 10 notes, 10 real big uh, all-star game notes for 10 players that I think will be big super coach players heading into uh, 2022. So we'll just run down the list. Should be a short and quick one, guys. We'll do more of an in-depth super coach one later in the week. But let's start with Braden Trindle. Because to me, he's probably, uh, I didn't have him on the big board. I had Matt Moylan as the seven for the Sharks. Trindle and Hines do have a combination. Um, one is a traditionally left, one's traditionally right. Trindle did goal kick uh, after Hines missed a couple. So that does tell me that Trindle can add a little bit of an element. Um, they can both kick from either sides of the rock. They both had similar kicking meters in this game. So to me, Braden Trindle is the guy if he's the starting half of kicking goals for a Sharks team, all of a sudden, you know, early to mid-rounds, anything from five to seven, eight, he now becomes a fascinating player in draft. In Classic, I think it's a bit of a risk to start just because, you know, we're not sure he's going to get the starting. I think as we get closer to TLT, that would be a decision made. But again, you've got a class player like Matt Moylan on the bench, Um it's going to be one of those things. If he does get the spot, how long does he retain? Is it, is it based on form? They do have a tricky first eight games, the Sharky, so not going to be guaranteed that dream run at the start. So, look, Braden Trindle for me is one of those guys. Yeah, he, he obviously nicknamed Tricky. He can really run the ball well. Got a nice passing game. Very, very capable in the kicking game. To me, he has shot up a lot of people's boards. And, you know, he will be overdrafted. Some people are just going to lock him in for that seven jersey. And you know what? I burst him in uh, our draft year last year in the semifinals, and he hung a 224 as a captain on me, and I lost. So he can put up a huge score if he's goal kicking, if he's going to be lead playmaking with Hines in the halves there. Um, he is a player to watch. So Trindle was definitely one for me where I was going there without many expectations. I thought Moylan had that seven jersey, but Trindle gave it a real chance and a real work to try and get it back. Number two on the list is Big Joe Tarpany from the Raiders. Again, a very tricky one. His unvaccinated status does hurt him. He can't play at the moment in Melbourne and Queensland, only in New South Wales. But boy, he was a monster on the field. He really did lay solid platforms. He was offloading at will, set up a try, scored a try, had another one denied. He was just one of those guys for me that just got stuck in. He was the captain in this game, played, the full, played 60 minutes at prop. And he was just dominant. He really did have one of those games where we all kind of wanted these Joe Tarpany games, you know, 15 runs for 122 metres. Um, the most contact metres, nearly 50, obviously had the line break and the line break assist for the try. He was just really, you know, damaging. Seven tackle busts. He looked fit. And if him and Papali'i are starting up front for the Raiders, that could be a very, very destructive 
front row combination. I would love to get my hands on one or both of them in a draft or classic, you know. I think Pablo is well-priced. Um, Tarpani's got the jewel this year. Again, the vaccination status makes it hard. You can't invest a high draft pick on him. I would love to go in a draft league, you know, top four or five rounds for Tarpani with that jewel status. Could be similar to what a Fisher-Harris did for a lot of people last year. We just need to see what the vaccination status is going to do because for me, you can't really do anything until you until we know that. It's going to be a very, very critical piece uh, if he can't play, you know, a lot of the game. So that is definitely one to keep an eye out for. Next on the list, number three, is Cody Nikarima. Uh, I have him. I've already recorded my team previews for the season. They're going to be coming up very shortly, day after day. For the Warriors, I did have Cody starting at six next to Sean Johnson uh, before this game. I just thought the international partnership those guys share uh, Cody, you know, you can't forget about those first 10 rounds last year, what he did in this team. Uh, and I just think, again, he's got a dual status. He's one of those guys that when he fires, he fires. And when his running game is on, that's exactly where you want Cody Nicarima. You know, just he's not going to goal kick. There's a lot of uh, point scorers and goal kickers in this team already. But what he can do in terms of he is a sneaky runner. Like yesterday, 8 for 78, it was a, it was a controlled game. Obviously, had the line break for his try. Um, but to me, it's all going to be about... I don't want to see him playing out of off the bench out of number nine. That doesn't do anything for me when he's got his hands on the ball. Um, you know, his, dep- his defense has improved, you know. Uh, he was pretty solid last night. Only the two missed tackles, uh, 16 makes. And yeah, he's kicks. He's a long kick artist. Eight kicks last night, over 200 meters. I think he's going to be one of those guys next to SJ that's just going to elevate. And again, in a draft league, if it's confirmed he's going to get that spot, he was drafted pretty high last year in a lot of draft leagues. I would expect him to be the same this year. So um, you might be able to get a bit of a steal with him this year if he falls down a little bit further. But I was really high on him coming in. And I think last night did himself the world of good and there was nothing wrong with his performance last night. Number four is Josh Adokar from the Bulldogs. Um, look, this was the type of game I wanted to see. If the halves weren't really dominating, they weren't on the front foot, how was Adokar going to play? And it was similar to how we've seen him for uh, the Storm, you know, where there's a big tussle and, you know, there's not a lot of space on the outside and it's some hard work needed and, you know, not much space and speed can be utilised. Uh, it was a quieter game. So I think this is just a warning for all the guys thinking that the Bulldogs are going to be bursting out of the gates and Adakar's going to be flying and carrying Melbourne form, I would just pause slightly. Um, I think it will take a little bit of time. They've got one of the toughest draws in those first eight games. I'm not going to be willing to spend a top eight round draft pick on him. Uh, if he falls anywhere after eight, fantastic. That's value there. Guy that can score tries. But for me, you can't really start him just because, especially in those first eight rounds, if they come out and they start firing, they beat some of those great teams like the Panthers and the Roosters early on, okay, you made a mistake, try and draft him. Or if you have drafted him, you've got an absolute star there. But from what I saw, it's going to be a bit of a wait and see for me, Fadokar. That's, I guess, where I'll leave it there because essentially if he's on the front foot and they're tearing it away, he's going to score tries, he's going to score well. Um, but we've always seen the last couple of years, the base isn't really there. Uh, you can definitely get a couple of scores in the teens and the 20s from Adokar, but you can also obviously get the, the 90s to 100. So Adokar, wait and see. And I think this kind of, kind of does emphasize that a little bit. We'll go on to number five is Tyrell Sloan from the Dragons. Quick one here. Didn't see much of him, but again, scored another try. 
looks dynamic. He needs to be the fullback in this Dragons team. If he gets a full season at fullback, if you're one of those guys that don't get a one of those top flight fullbacks in draft early on, there's no point drafting another one because you can wait until realistically, you know, rounds 10 to 14 to get a title. So I don't see a lot of guys picking up just because of the job security and what, he, what you know, Moses and Bai poses and Jack Bird poses as a threat there. But realistically, what's the difference between, you know, if you a Reese Walsh, yes, can be done. I'm not going to have the goal thing this year versus a Tyrell Sloan. Realistically, they're the same type of runner. Um, Walsh, a bit, a, bit, a bit better of a ball player. But to me, Tyrell Sloan is going to be one of those late late draft gems that can really, really put you over the edge. And again, another guy that's going in drafts, number six is Aaron Clark. Uh, obviously got the starting number nine jersey. Didn't see it. Didn't see why he is the starting nine. You know, you got Tanner Boyd there. You got Booth there. To me, just he's going to get through his work. He's going to get you a meat and pies, uh, meat and potatoes 40. I don't really see the upside. Yeah, he likes to have a bit of a dart from closer line, has good service. But other than that, I don't see him making those line breaks and sending up those tries like some of those premier hookers do. And again, I think some people will go high. Um, there's some guys starting with him in classic. I've seen a couple. Uh, of teams get posted, but yeah, I'm going to stay away there because I do think there will be a mid-season change. I'm not sure how late into the season we see it, but I just think you've got two other guys there that can do the job. You've got Will Smith who can play a bit of nine as well. Uh, Aaron Clark is a bit of a stay away from me. The next three guys are on my love board and you know, two of them were, another one made his way on last night. Number seven, James Fisher-Harris. Lost the jewel, so he's only front row forward, but he looks lean. He looks built. And he looked like a weapon last night. He really, really did show me that it's going to be very hard not to pick him um, this season. He did play 53 minutes. So he got a good workload in. And, you know, he was productive. 17 runs for 138 metres. He was just really... Um, and there wasn't much post-contact. He was only less than 40. He just really got through his work and wanted and wanted to carry on with his stuff. Um, you know, again... Not a not a, a noted offloader, uh, but still, when you you know he tackles well, he runs well. He's mean that Panthers team. I think he will have to play around that fifty-five minute mark all season. He can be easily one of your first front row forwards picked in a draft league. In classic, it's a little bit hard. He is a bit high priced, and he hasn't got the jewel. Uh, I think some people will say, well, he will be a pot option, but he can definitely you know pump out of sixty. If he gets a bit of an attacking start here and there, could easily get in or 80. And if he does, you know, drag a try or an assist, you're looking at 100 there. So James Fisher-Harris to me is one of those forwards that he was always, you know, on everyone's radar. The, the herd of the duel did hurt him a little bit. But again, I think if you want a seven forget player, you can do a lot worse than James Fisher-Harris. The guy that made his way onto the board last night was Britton Nakora from the, from the Sharks. He looked damaging. He looked like two years ago, Britain Nakora. And, you know, he was playing with either side there um, in that Maori team. But, you know, he was versing his half combinations in Trindle and Hines. I think they will find him all season. Um, you know, he's, his tackle efficiency last night was absolutely phenomenal. Was 37 tackles for only two misses. Um, and again, he got his hands on the ball well. Um Five tackle breaks, something that you don't really expect from Britain Nakora. Um, but yeah, he just had a he had a blinder of a game, really. Like 
12 runs for 94 metres. He played his way on a lot of draft boards last night. And again, in classic, he's that kind of upper midi shopper player that I think if you want a real big pot, if you're high on the Sharks this year, why not go a Britain or Cora? Because as you saw, he could, that type of game last night can be a flaw for him really. Like, you know, there wasn't anything too special about it. Obviously it didn't score or anything like that, didn't assist. But, you know, through that base, um, he can be really, really highly owned. And obviously I think back to um, when he was center wing at center, center wing eligible, that obviously won't happen again, but, yeah, you can put him in your in your two RF, and all of a sudden, it's going to be pretty fun to watch him just get you know, get those base stats and then get those attacking stats on the back of Hines or Trindle there. Number nine, big day for feeder. Look, if he wasn't in your team, you've got to get him in uh, in classic. That is, he's going to be at least fifty percent of teams. He's very highly priced, but you saw what he did last night. He can really just win you around. Um, that try was breathtaking. The way he's able to just to command the ball and, you know, make something out of nothing, he's 21. He's only a better and better. He's played 61 minutes. He's had an injury-free preseason, but, you know, 14 runs for 124 metres. Um, it was just, it was very, very impressive. That one line break and obviously the try is to Ramian. Those three tackle breaks were in the one, and he's got that ability just to really off one run can make a bad, you know, an average 2RF score into the best one of the week. And that's why you just have to have him. Because if you don't have him, you know what? He may not get that game and you get a 60 and you're going, oh, I'll pay so much money for a 60. But in one run like that, three tackle breaks, the try, the line break, the line break, the try assist, he can then all of a sudden get you to a 120 going, holy, holy hell, this is going to be something to watch for the rest of the season. So day for feeder. He was already highly owned in classic. I think that will only go up in draft. The point here is I think it's going to substantially increase his draft position. I expect him to go first round in a lot of leagues. I think really after the top, after the top three fullbacks, Cleary and maybe one of the five eights, he's going to go. I think his average position will be around six to nine. Um, and I don't think that's over. I think if you're getting him, you know, five, or six in a draft league, especially if you're playing captains, you've got a guy that can, you know, on his day go best match for match with a lot of those guys. So I, I had him at six in our draft because I believe the guy in our draft will take him at six, but I think also I might bump up in the actual overall big board that will release before the season starts. I had him at 10. He might go up to six because realistically, this guy is just a weapon. And if he's fit, if he's going to be firing, I'm all aboard the Fafita train this season. But we'll finish off with number 10. The guy that probably everyone was looking at last night, it is Nico Hines. I saw some people saying it was a poor game. I saw some people saying it was a brilliant game. I'm going to go somewhere in the middle. I don't think he's lost any draft position. I don't think he lost any ownership. I think if you had him, you, didn't, you weren't getting scared off last night. If you didn't have him, you probably weren't picking him up. You know, he did play the full 80 minutes, uh, 11 kicks, uh, compared to Trindle 7. Um, his short kicking game was really nice. Um, obviously got the force drop out, got a try, another one that could have been a try. Um, I think short kicking game for the Sharkies is going to be pr- in pretty good hands this year. He will get a couple of try assists off that. There was that little bit of, you know, running across field like in the Storm team and 
the gaps just weren't there. Uh, obviously, when you have some of the great players in the league, in your team, they don't really open up when they're not there. Um, you know, obviously, the goal kicking is probably the one thing I did take out of this. He probably won't goal kick if Trindle is starting. But he had his hands on the ball. You know, 13 runs for a halfback for 100 metres. It's exactly what you wanted to see. He was bouncing around. Had the triceps off the kick. No tackle breaks. Um, but when you look at the the efficiency of his tackling, 23 uh, tackles to two misses, it was a solid game. And I think he's going to have a base that is going to be able to allow you, if you do start him in draft or classic, his floor is probably going to be about a 60. Um, and that's even if the Sharks aren't firing. I think he's going to have enough runs in him, enough tackles in him, and, you know, the, the kicking ability of a couple of false dropouts here and there. I think that floor can be about a 55 to a 60. The ceiling can be anything like he did last year. I think he can get close to an 80 um, if the Sharks are firing, if that little bit of space is there like last year and he can make some of those tackle breaks. I think that's where he's going to have to make his offloading and tackle breaks is going to be where he's going to get his extra 10 points. And obviously, if he had the goal kicking like he had last year, but again, I think Trindle will start and I think he will take the kicking responsibility. But again, if you didn't have him, I don't think you, you were breaking your team to try and get him in last night. If you had him, you weren't taking him out going, this is rubbish and I'm going to start again. I think it was a solid game. I think you see a good base. And again, I think in a draft league, look, I've got a special guest coming up on the pod next week. I probably won't be touching him within the first three to four until around three to four rounds. Definitely not in the top two. I've seen some guys, you know, the turn of round one or even the turn of round two take him. I'll let you guys, t- the, the biggest thing this year is going to be let him succeed in someone else's team and not fail in yours. Um, I think that's a very wise thing uh, that I heard from the Three Wise Drive and podcast last week. You don't have to reach for a play you don't believe in. I do believe in Nico, but just not in that, you know, he's going to have that nice floor that will get you something every week. And I think that's as far as I can go until I see them start to gel a little bit sooner. Well, that's it, guys. Again, um, it was really, really good to have for you last night. There were some really good performances, some performances that, you know, for me at least, it did create a bit of clarity in some of the players I was thinking of. Uh, not much confusion coming out of it, but I'm very interested to see what you guys think. I'm sure the ownership levels in Supercoach Classic will go all over the ways. And if we look at some mock, league, some mock draft leagues, I think you'll see some players either shoot up or shoot down that you probably weren't expecting either. So... We'll be back later in the week again. I've got all the team previews, little short six-minute videos for each one. Um, and then we'll keep coming back with um, some podcasts through Supercoach and through NRL previews until we get to kick off. So thanks for listening, guys. Have a great day. We'll hear from you soon. Cheers.